0: In nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice. Alleluia. For he whom you demerit to bear. Alleluia. Is risen as he said. Alleluia. Pray for us to God. Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary. Alleluia. For the Lord has truly risen. Alleluia. The following is a reading from the Ways of Mental Prayer by Right Reverend Dom Vitalis Lahodi. First part on prayer in general. Chapter 3. Advantages and Necessity of Mental Prayer. As we shall point out later on the happy effects of effective prayer and of contemplation, we shall here more especially keep in view those of meditation. The tending to perfection, which sums up all our obligations, meets with obstacles in us, both on the part of our understanding and on the part of the will. On the part of the understanding. On the part of the understanding, there is, one, ignorance of the supernatural life. The remedy is the Word of God, which we can find in instructions and in pious reading. To listen attentively to the Word of God or to read it carefully is already a beginning of meditation. There is, too, want of reflection, levity, routine, inadvertence to the truths of faith, that milder form of forgetfulness which makes such havoc amongst us religious a baneful pest which dries up devotion and destroys the energy of the soul, in which St. Benedict exhorts us absolutely to avoid. This is why the earth is laid desolate and even, alas, the cloister, the very home of sanctity, because no one thinks sufficiently in his heart. Hence it comes to pass that even amongst good souls who live by grace, there are so many weak, so many slumbering. When we forget God and the things of God, we have still the eye of faith, but it is half-closed by spiritual drowsiness. The end to be aimed at, the rocks to be avoided, the virtues to be practiced, everything is clouded over, nothing distinctly outlined. While faith sleeps, fear, hope, and love, which should carry us to God, slacken their course, and wander about aimlessly. Hope is without desire, charity without fervor. The other virtues lose their activity, torpor reigns everywhere. The sleep which deadens faith gains upon our whole supernatural life, and the enemy profits of it to sow cockle in the field of our soul. We sleep and we dream, and while our eyes are closed towards God, our imagination is taken up with a thousand foolish fancies, as, in a dream, our memory is filled with a thousand frivolous recollections. Our intellect exhausts itself in useless thoughts and in the preoccupations of our work and office. We have been sleeping long enough, and too long, It is time for us to awake at last, to open our eyes to the deifying light, to act in a manner which may profit us for eternity, and by our progress in faith and in a good life, to dilate our hearts and to run in the way of the precepts and counsels. But what, then, can can arouse us from this wretched sluggishness if not the practice of mental prayer? Little by little, mental prayer well made will render our faith more lively, will strengthen our convictions, will penetrate us deeply with the things of God, will keep the supernatural always present to our mind, and then there will be no more forgetfulness, no more sleep. It will then be easy for us to live by faith, to fear, to hope, to love, and to act as we ought, because the eye of our faith will be always open. This is three ignorance of ourselves. Self-love blinds us, Humiliated by our many miseries and discouraged by the difficulty of remedying them, we prefer to shut our eyes. Hence, no longer seeing the faults we have to correct and the enemies we have to combat, we either cease to fight or merely beat the air. So also, if we hardly know the virtues we want, the weak points we should strengthen, our spiritual life will drift away aimlessly at the mercy of every passing impulse. The remedy for this pest is the examination of conscience especially the self-examination which is made during mental prayer. For after showing us the ideal we should follow, mental prayer invites us to consider the reforms we have to make. Thus, it is the torch which illumines our spiritual work. It is especially the school of humility. He who neglects mental prayer has no horror of himself because he feels not his miseries. St. Bernard. On the other hand, Mental prayer enables us to put our finger upon the multitude of our faults, defects, and imperfections, to see clearly how poor we are in virtues and merits, what pitiful creatures we are, when contrasted with the saints who are the glory of the church and of the Cistercian order, and above all, to realize our nothingness and wretchedness before him who is greatness and sanctity itself. Thus mental prayer becomes the grave of pride. On the part of the will. Number one, the first obstacle to our progress is to be found in our affections. It is a certain weariness of God which makes us cold and languid in his service, while at the same time we are in a ferv- fever of anxiety for all which is not God. Sin has drawn us aside from our end and turned us towards the creature. The remedy is mental prayer. Which detaches us from obstacles and unites us to what helps us. It detaches us from sin, from perishable goods, from the world, above all from ourselves, and it unites us to the one and only good. First, it detaches us from sin. This it is, says Father Krasat, which leads us down in spirit to hell, to behold our place there, which brings us to the graveyard, to behold there our abode, to heaven to behold there our throne, to the valley of Josephat, there to behold our judge, to Bethlehem, there to see our Saviour, to Thaber, there to behold our love, to Calvary, there to contemplate our model. It detaches us from perishable goods, such as riches, honors, bodily comfort, and all which things it is so easy to make an ill use. It shows us the vanity of all that cannot satisfy a heart hungering after God, the inconstancy and frailty of all that passes away, the anxieties and dangers these false goods bring with them, and their utter worthlessness in comparison with what lasts forever. And if it renders these things so contemptible in our eyes, it detaches us still more from them by teaching us to love God. How empty appears the earth to him who contemplates heaven. How its joys and honors lose all their charm once the soul has tasted God. It detaches us from the world. It teaches us to make no account of the world's promises or threats, or its esteem, or its contempt. For the world can neither make us happy nor virtuous. We are no better because it extols us to the clouds, nor any worse when it tramples us underfoot. We are worth only just what we are worth in God's eyes. Mental prayer makes us dread the corruption of the world, the danger of its praises, the perfidiousness of its caresses, far more than its impotent fury. It makes us understand that God alone is to be considered, that no other's anger is to be feared, no other's esteem to be desired, that there is no other friendship how much the heart can securely rest. Above all, it detaches us from ourselves. The grave of pride, as we have called it, it is also that of sensuality. It substitutes the spirit for the flesh, the soul's delights for bodily pleasures If there is any fact evident in the history of Christian and religious life, it is that the love of mortification keeps pace in the soul with the love of mental prayer. This exercise also enriches with treasures of patience those who seriously give themselves to it. They bear pains and afflictions, whensoever they may come without a murmur and even with joy. Finally, mental prayer unites us to God. Detached from all things, the soul is no longer held back by anything, It is so thoroughly emptied that God hastens to fill it with himself, there to establish his kingdom. What treasures, what a deliverance, what a happiness a soul enjoys in proportion as the habit of mental prayer withdraws her from beneath the sway of her passions and subjects her to her good master, first by fear, afterwards by hope, and lastly by love. A day comes when the heart is taken captive, then it is a mutual friendship, the sweetest intimacy. The soul knows God and his infinite charms, and this view enchants and inflames her. Everywhere, in nature and in grace, in our Lord's life and in her own, she sees a thousand touching proofs of the mercies and of the love of him who ravishes her heart. Notwithstanding her nothingness and her faults, she dares to raise towards a God so high and so holy the eyes of her heart and to ask for a return of affection. She loves God and is beloved by him. God does not disdain to lower himself even to her, and often she is astonished at the tenderness which her God manifests towards her. Oh, how consoling and strengthening are these precious and all too short moments! How superabundantly they compensate for all past sufferings and give courage to face new trials. Because the soul loves and wishes to be loved, she cannot endure that anything in her should offend the most pure eyes of her well-beloved. And so love watches with a jealous eye over the purity of the heart. What sacrifices would she not make to preserve or to bring back the visits of him who is her all? The more we love, the more we forget ourselves, and the more we leave ourselves in order to go to God. We seek God alone, and therefore we would think only of God, speak only of God, live all the day long only with God, spend ourselves and suffer for him, and after having employed all our energies in serving Him, still think we have done nothing. Now mental prayer is the source whence springs this holy love. My heart grew hot within me, and in my meditation a fire shall flame out. Psalm 38 Cormeum meum conceluit et in meditatione mea exardeshet ignis Louis of Blois thus describes this transformation of the soul by mental prayer, The soul putting off everything, human, and putting on what is divine, is, as it were, transformed and changed into God, as iron placed in the furnace receives the form of fire and is changed into fire. So the soul was cold before, but now it has become all inflamed. It was in darkness before, but now it shines. It was hard before, but now it has become soft its entire being takes on a celestial aspect because its essence is all penetrated by the divine essence. Now that the soul has found God, it will willingly renounce creatures. She possesses, in fact, light, strength, peace, joy, liberty, for in finding God, she has found all good. Two, the second obstacle which the will offers to our progress regards our resolutions. It is sluggishness, weakness, cowardice, inconstancy. The sole remedy for this evil is God's grace, without which we can do nothing, and with which we can do all things. Now nowhere is it asked for so well as in mental prayer, when meditation has made us feel the need of it, and the heart is inflamed with holy affections. We have then the eloquence of a poor man who is sensible of his misery, and prayer as a loud cry bursts forth from the depths of the soul. Then it is, that we gain more strength to do violence to God's mercy. Who wants to be implored? Who wishes to be constrained? Who wills to be overcome by a kind of importunity on our part? St. Gregory. What the saints have thought of mental prayer. They have devoted to it long hours, day and night, and no argument is equal to that. Many amongst them have praised it very highly in their writings. St. Bonaventure quoted or analyzed by St. Peter of Alcantara, makes the following poetic eulogy of it, If you would suffer with patience the adversities and miseries of this life, be a man of prayer. If you would obtain courage and strength to conquer the temptations of the enemy, be a man of prayer. If you would mortify your own will with all its inclinations and appetites, be a man of prayer. If you would know the wiles of Satan and unmask his deceits, be a man of prayer. If you would live in joy and walk pleasantly in the ways of penance, be a man of prayer. If you would banish from your soul the troublesome flies of vain thoughts and cares, be a man of prayer. If you would nourish your soul with the very sap of devotion and keep it always full of good thoughts and good desires, be a man of prayer. If you would strengthen and keep up your courage in the ways of God, be a man of prayer. And fine. If you would uproot all vices from your soul and plant all virtues in their place, be a man of prayer. It is in prayer that we receive the unction and grace of the Holy Ghost, who teaches all things. I say more, if you would raise yourself to the heights of contemplation and enjoy the sweet embraces of the spouse, practice mental prayer. It is the way by which the soul is raised to the contemplation and enjoyment of heavenly things. In mental prayer, adds St. Peter of Alcantara, The soul is purified from its sins, nourished with charity, confirmed in faith and strengthened in hope. The mind expands, the affections dilate, the heart is purified, truth becomes evident, temptation is conquered, sadness dispelled. The senses are renovated, the drooping powers revive, tepidity ceases, the rust of vices disappears. Out of mental prayer issues forth like living sparks, those desires of heaven which the soul conceives when inflamed with the fire of divine love. Sublime is the excellence of mental prayer. Great are its privileges. To mental prayer, heaven is opened. To mental prayer, heavenly secrets are manifested, and the ear of God is ever attentive. St. Teresa, who may be called the doctor of mental prayer, never ceased to urge her daughters to practice it, and would have wished to lead them up to its heights. It is mental prayer that saved her. Quote, There nothing is to be feared, and everything that can be desired is to be found. Progress is slow, be it so. But at all events, we learn by degrees to know the road to heaven. It is not in vain that we have chosen God for our friend, for in my opinion, prayer is only a friendly intercourse in which the soul converses alone with him by whom she knows that she is loved. O oh, my Master, What an excellent friend thou art in her regard. I have seen it clearly in my own case, and I know not why everyone would not aspire to draw near to thee by a friendship so intimate. Those who give up mental prayer I really pity. They serve God at their own cost. It is not so with those who practice mental prayer. This adorable master pays all their expenses. In exchange for a little trouble he gives them consolations, which enable them to bear all crosses. God grants such sublime graces as He has given me only to mental prayer. if we close against him this door in vain would he seek to enter the soul to take his delight there and to flood her with joy, because he finds no way open. The demon seeks by every means to turn us away from prayer. Quote, he well knows the traitor that a soul that perseveres in prayer is lost to him forever. You may believe me, she will arrive at the harbor of salvation. The saint relates that during long years, quote, she was less absorbed by useful and holy reflections than by the longing to hear the clock announcing the end of prayer time. She would have preferred the se- severest penance to the torment of having to recollect herself. Quote, On entering the place of prayer, she was seized with a mortal sadness. But when she had conquered herself, she tasted more peace and delight Than on certain other days when her inclination had led her to prayer. She relates also how the demon tried to persuade her that her imperfections rendered her unworthy of giving so much time to prayer, and that she ought, like the others, to be satisfied with the time allotted to the exercise by the rule. Quote Where were my wits? What folly to fly the light, to stumble at every step in the dark! What a proud humility the demon knew. How to suggest in order to induce me to abandon mental prayer, that pillar, that staff, of which I had so great a need. In my opinion, it is the greatest danger I incurred in my whole life. Let those, then, who have begun to walk in this way, quote, continue to advance always no matter what obstacle presents itself, no matter what difficulty crops up, or what tribulation they must endure, however much they may be blamed and reviled, whatever faint-heartedness they may feel on the road, whatever uncertainty they may experience as to their arriving at the goal, however apparent it may be in their case that they can never support so many labors. In fine, though we should die in consequence, though the whole world and all it contains were to perish with them, let them never stop advancing on this path. Since mental prayer, says St. Francis de Sales, brings our intellect To the light of God, and keeps our will exposed to the flames of divine love, there is nothing which can better dispel the darkness with which ignorance and error have obscured our intelligence, nor better purify our hearts from all our depraved affections. It is the water of benediction which should serve to wash away the iniquities of our souls, to refresh our hearts consumed by the thirst of our cupidity, and to nourish the first seeds which virtue has there planted, and which are good desires." Saint Philip Neri with his uncompromising energy says that quote a religious without mental prayer is an animal without reason that is that he ceases to live by faith to walk by the spirit in order to become the slave of his senses according to Saint Lagori quote as long as a soul gives herself to mental prayer you will behold her a model of modesty of humility of devotion and of mortification Let her abandon mental prayer, and soon the modesty of her looks disappears. Her pride will burst forth, at least the word which offends. She will scarcely think any longer of mortifying herself. On the contrary, you will behold her in love with vanities, amusements, and earthly pleasures. Why? The water of grace flows into her no longer. She wants life. She has abandoned mental prayer. The garden is parched up, and the evil grows daily worse. We see some, adds the Holy Doctor, who recite the Rosary, the office of the Blessed Virgin, and give themselves to other exterior practices of piety, and nevertheless continue to live in sin. But when anyone consistently practices mental prayer, it is impossible for him to continue to live in sin. He also goes so far as to declare mental prayer to be morally necessary. It is especially indispensable for those who are tending to perfection. All the saints have arrived there by this way. It is the shortest road to it, according to St. Ignatius of Loyola. This moral necessity, however, is incumbent only on souls that are not incapable of making mental prayer. Should there be found minds for whom this was really impossible, God would supply its place by pious reading and vocal prayer well made, and this would suffice to lead them even to perfection. But we must be very careful not to take difficulty for an impossibility, nor our own negligence for an excusing cause. When we know how to reflect upon our work, our occupation, on a thousand temporal affairs, can it be possible that it is only on the things of heaven and our eternal interests that we cannot think? There is no need of fine phrases nor of lofting conceptions. It suffices to reflect on the things of God in oneself and for oneself alone as simply as one pleases. Books to aid us are not wanting, and it is a science which is acquired by study and practice. It may seem troublesome at first, but but experience will make it easy. We beg, therefore, our brethren in religion to make well the meditations prescribed by the rule, but not to be satisfied with that. As the members of a community have not all the same taste nor the same aptitude, our constitutions impose only a minimum accessible to everyone, and this is the measure indicated by St. Lagori. The confessor at first should not prescribe more than half an hour. Afterwards, He can more or less increase the time according to the soul's spiritual progress. Our constitutions expect that, when the work of God, which takes precedence of everything, is extended, the monks, during the hours not assigned to manual labor, should occupy themselves in prayer or spiritual reading. They advise us, with our Holy Father, St. Benedict, to apply ourselves frequently to prayer, and they permit everyone, outside the time of the common exercises, to give himself to prayer if drawn to it by the inspiration of divine grace. Do you wish to know why our houses are no longer peopled with saints as they were in the heroic ages? We watch, we chant, we fast, we work pretty much as our fathers did, but we are not to the same extent as they were men of prayer. They trampled the world underfoot because their conversation was in heaven. The Holy Abbot St. Antony spent the whole night in prayer, and complained that the day came too soon to interrupt his converse with God. St. Rose of Lima spent twelve hours in prayer daily. St. Francis Borgia used to spend eight hours in prayer and to beg as a favor yet another moment. St. Philip Neri passed whole nights in prayer. The Reverend Father Torres imposed on the religious whom he directed an hour's mental prayer in the morning, a second hour during the day, and half an hour in the evening unless they were otherwise hindered. After quoting these examples, St. Ligori adds, If this seems to you too much, I advise you to make at least one hour of mental prayer besides that made in common. It is true that we have many other pious exercises, but we are contemplatives by profession. Let us then allow no one to surpass us in the love of God since we, more than others, are obliged to love him. The world, too, needs our prayers so badly. Let us conclude with the counsel of St. Peter of Alcantara. The servant of God should reserve to himself certain moments when laying aside all occupations, even holy ones, the necessary permission being presupposed. He will devote himself exclusively to spiritual exercises and give to his soul a more abundant spiritual nourishment, which may repair the daily losses and procure for him new strength to advance still more. And if this be true of ordinary days, how much more so of great feasts and of times of tribulation and trial." It is also advisable to do this after long journeys and certain affairs which distract and dissipate the heart. This is the true means to regain recollection of spirit. Next time we will look at the elements of success in mental prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen.